Well, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. It's good to worship together. We had um, we have a big group of volunteers outside getting ready for lunch, and they were at our uh, morning service uh, for our teachers, and so we're grateful for them, and um, uh, we're going to enjoy this day. Uh, yesterday, we had our sisters play uh, football and a football tournament. They did so well. A little group picture. I want to thank everyone that participated and helped and brought food and made posters. Let's give them a hand. Thank you, everyone. Oh, man, it was a first time playing, and uh, everyone played with heart and uh, played so well. So if you see some of our sisters, like, limping around, you know, um, don't, you know, give them a hug because they're bruised, maybe. Uh, but pat them on the back and say, good job. We had such a, a good time um, uh, yesterday. And really uh, just, uh, you know, strangers became friends and, you know, really was a sisterhood, brotherhood that happened uh, through that. And so we're so grateful for that time. Um, today we want to talk about the topic of giving thanks, and we read in this uh, Psalm 111 uh, this main idea, and this is something that we as Christians are called to do. This is our main activity. This is the Christian thing to do, um, and this is what we do. Is we are people who give thanks, and today we look at this passage and we look at the topic of thanksgiving, and uh, we want to kind of address three parts to it is what we want to give thanks for. And we want to reflect on the things that we need to give thanks for, who to give thanks to. Secondly, who are we giving thanks to and why giving thanks is the appropriate and the proper response as uh, believers of the gospel. And so we're going to be looking at those kind of three ideas from this text today. Um, and the first, uh, the first main point is that we give thanks for the countless uh, blessings that we have, all that we have. Spiritual, material, um, relational, whatever it is, everything you have, your health, your wealth, everything that you possess, we ought to give thanks for the countless blessings. The psalm that we read, with the section of the psalm that we read, rather, um, it starts with those famous words, praise the Lord. Verse 1, praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord there in the original language is the word hallelujah. We often say that. We know that. It means praise the Lord. And from that point on, to a little background here, Psalm 111 and 112 is kind of like part A, part B. It's, it's continuous, but it was broken up in this way for, uh, to make it a little bit easier to read and find. But you could say it's one psalm, but all of it, every line, there is a poetic form in this where it starts with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And so for the writer, it was like, you know, A and B and C and D, and it was in that order in the Hebrew alphabet. And it's written that way in a poetic fashion for, you know, several different reasons. But one of them is to say there are so many reasons, so many things to give thanks for. That I could give thanks in every letter of the alphabet with all of my vocabulary and it is not enough. And I think this is what and why it's written in this way. So Psalm 119, for example, is written in that fashion as well, uh, where every paragraph starts with the next letter of the, uh, the Hebrew alphabet uh, to describe God's word. But here, the description of all the things that God has given to you and to me, he uses every letter in the alphabet to get this point across to us. The ESV has that phrase, give thanks, over six, uh, 67 times mentioned throughout the Bible in that translation. So it says here, um, 
Verse 2, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Great are the works of the Lord. Um, how would you describe the works of the Lord? Great. Big. Right? Uh, much. And it's great. And then what are we supposed to do with it? Studied by all who delight in them. When we think about studying, we think about schoolwork, homework, classes, and things like that. But here, it says we ought to take a mental note. We ought to remember. We ought to study all the great works of God. And what happens is we find delight in it. Um, G.K. Chesterton said this about gratitude. He defines gratitude this way. Gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. Let that sink in for a moment. All right? And that's exactly what the psalmist is saying. It is happiness doubled by wonder. When we are in awe, when we are in just a, a speechless moment where, wow, there's so much given. Where someone has given you something and it's a gift, you cannot repay back and you're like, what the heck? Wow, right? And we see moments like that where people give someone a, a stranger money or we see this now on YouTube and things where your guys are going and giving things away to see the reaction of the stranger and they are in wonder. And this is gratitude. His happiness doubled in wonder as the verse says, study by all who delight in them. The description of God's work is also uh, mentioned in these terms in verse 3. Full of splendor and majesty is his work. Full of splendor and majesty. Splendor, majesty. These are not everyday words that we use. This is not, uh, these are not words that we use to describe the lunch we will eat today, you know? Wow, what a spread. This spread is full of splendor. We don't say it like that, or we won't say majestic. Wow, you know, honey, your eyelashes are majestic today. You know, we, we don't use those kind of words. Um, but really, these words are set aside where we might have a speechless moment in front of, in front of a sunset uh, at the Grand Canyon or on a mountain peak. And you say, wow, this is majestic. And this, this is how the works of God are described. And so we now have to give thanks for all of his good works to us. Uh, really, words are not enough, as the psalmist is trying to get that to us. We do not have the vocabulary or the time to express the, the greatness of God in all of his works. You know, the psalmist, for example, Psalm 92 says to declare his steadfast love in the morning, your faithfulness at night. It's like we could praise God in the morning and at night, and it's still not enough. There is so much to give thanks to God for. It's interesting, you know, the social psychologists have this uh, term. They call it the peak end effect. The peak end effect, as they have studied. Basically, the peak end effect is if the ending of something is very good, it affects the rest of what we've gone through. We would say, oh, it was better than I thought. Or if the ending was bad, we say that was worse than I thought. So, for example, if you go and have dinner and the waitress or the waiter at the end comes to you and they handwrite a note, address you by your name. Oh, thank you, Mr. Choi, for coming by Cheesecake Factory today, right? I included some extra mints for your bad breath. No, not for your bad breath, but for you. Here's some extra mints. Thank you, Mr. Choi. You know, hope you had a good meal. And they call you by name. They give you the mints. 
And you say, oh, oh, hey, Cheesecake Factory was good today. Wow, like this was great. And you look at the box of the check box of where you're going to write the tip and you have on the far left, it used to be 12, now it's 18%, 20%, 25%. You might be tempted. And if you are a generous, that was great. He called me by my name, brought me mints, thanked me for coming. This is a great meal. 18%, right? You might too. Um, whatever it is. But it's the end of it. The end of it often will dictate our whole experience of it. The bread might have come out cold. The drinks might have come out late. The food might have come out, uh, you know, the portions were smaller than usual, whatever it is. But the end of it affects the rest. Now, I bring that up here because as the psalmist says, to declare your faithfulness at night, I want to encourage all of us to do something very practical is to count all the blessings every night. Before you rush off to bed, those off, you know, watching or listening to some uh, podcast or something, before you're scrolling on your phone as you're halfway going to sleep, take a moment, take just a minute, and make a mental note. Study the works of God in your life that day. Oh, man, today, that was a great cup of coffee. It was great. I felt great waking up today. Got to talk to my old friend. Oh, that was nice to catch up with him. Got to talk to mom today. She's healthy and doing good. Oh, reminded of God's faithfulness to me and his grace. Heard a good sermon today online. Whatever it is, and then you go through the list, and what that does is it changes the full day, and you wake up the next day, you say, yesterday was a great day. It wasn't just a C-plus average day, because most of us here, our days are very similar, it feels like, and it all blends in one to another. And we don't have spectacular, special events going on every day. But really, if you sit and pause and study the works of God, every day is special. Every day is spectacular. It is majestic because of the works God is doing in your life and mine. And so we pause at the end of the day. Thank you, God. Some of you are good at journaling. Write the journal. Write it out. Some of us just, just making a mental note. And I would suggest maybe a just... With each finger, just count it. What's five things you are grateful for? And it will change your life. That we ought to recount the great works of God. And C.S. Lewis argues, even the bad things are blessings from God. And he says this, We ought to give thanks for all fortune. If it is good, because it is good. If bad, because it works in us patience, humility, and the contempt of this world, and the hope of our eternal country. So even the bad news, for us followers of God, it's good news. Because it works in us humility. It works in us a contempt of this world and a hope for the eternal country that is ahead of us. And so we think about him in this way. Secondly, uh, not only do we give thanks for the things, we have to give and direct our thanks to God. It's to him. It's directed at someone. Giving thanks or thanksgiving is always directed at someone else. It's never something I keep to myself. If I keep it to myself, it is not thanksgiving. I have to now direct it at someone else. Um, it says here very straightforward in verse 1, Praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord. To who? To the Lord. Isn't this the first lesson that we have learned? Um, if we have any responsible adults in our lives, as, as toddlers, as we are learning to talk, the first thing that we teach kids is say thank you. 
right? Someone gives you uh, candy, say thank you. Someone get, buys you a toy, say thank you. Uh, someone helps you with something, say thank you. But our natural inclination is not to say thank you. We just want to take what's ours and go. And our first words is when we are little, little is mine. And all I care about that is mine. And I direct it at me. I don't direct it to others. And it is unnatural for us to now direct it to someone else, but it is the right thing to do. And so we tell our little ones. And oftentimes, we have to remind the older ones, our own selves, to say thank you. To not take things for granted, but to say thank you. You know, it is, um, Tim Keller says, it's one thing to be grateful. It's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel Thanksgiving is what you do. Paul writes about the non or the unbelievers of the world. Romans chapter 1 describes the unbelievers of the world and one of the descriptions that he has of them. And you don't think it's uh, such a big sin, but one of the things they don't do is thank God. It says in verse 21 of Romans, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And the next verse is, Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. The person who acknowledged the presence of God, the person who says, yeah, I believe there's a God out there. My parents are Christians or my grandparents are believers. But the person that never utters it, confesses it, or gives thanks to God, he says that's a sin. Because that's what separates now a believer and an unbeliever. It's the confession of the words that we say. And he calls them fools. A fool is not, in our, in our, in our terms, we think of someone who is uneducated. Uh, someone who is ignorant. But really the fool is someone who thinks they know better and they don't acknowledge it. He's a fool. She's a fool. That they do not give thanks in this way. Now, years back, at, uh, uh, before we even started Crossway, at the church I was serving at, um, this is when Carissa was just a toddler and uh, we were living in La Mirada, a little gated condo community there. And... Uh, at uh, the last church we were serving at, um, we had a, a mystery giver. And was, one day we came home from church and there's a, uh, you know, a basket of like persimmons and things and random things. Just by the, the gift, I was like, this is from somebody old. I could tell, right? It was like fruit and things. Anyways, uh, it was here. And so part of me, first of all, I was suspicious because I'm like, how do they get into our gated community? Secondly, how do they know my address? I, I had a lot of questions. But after the suspicion subsided, we said, oh my gosh, this is so nice of someone. I remember in the beginning, they didn't write their name. And so, you know, and then I had to go in detective mode next Sunday at church. I remember asking someone, hey, so you have, you have a persimmon tree, right, don't you? No, I don't. Okay, it's not you. Like, hey, were, were you um, in my neighborhood last week? Where, where, didn't I see you driving out of my... No, okay, it's not you. And then eventually we found out who it was, because they would leave notes. I think maybe that one, the notes flew away as they were running out of the gated community where there was not supposed to be. But anyways, so, um, but we want to know, we want to acknowledge the right person. We want to go and say thank you. We want to go and say, oh, I want to give my thanks to you. And so it is far more than just having an attitude of gratitude. You hear that so much today. It drives me a little bit crazy to have an attitude of gratitude. 
It's more than your attitude. It's more than your feeling. You have to say thank you. You have to honor God with your words. You have to come, and we come here on Sundays, and we basically are hearing the same message, the gospel message. We're singing the same songs and some new songs, but they're all singing about the same thing. And yet, we do not sing it enough, and we do not hear it enough because it is such a wonderful gift, and so we have to give thanks to God. And that ought to be the words that we say from morning till night until we breathe our last breath. We thank Him. And thirdly, thank, giving thanks is the proper response as the believers of the gospel. It is our natural response. It is the proper response. This is how we respond when we hear the good news of the gospel. Uh, God is described in these wonderful terms. You look at verse 4, um, the second part, the Lord is gracious and merciful. Grace and mercy, they're free. You don't earn it, you don't buy it, you don't deserve it. It's free. The giving of gifts, the withholding of judgment, it's free. Gracious and mercy. And this is what God gives to us. And the response, the correct response, is gratitude. So we don't go to God and say, God, can I now leverage something with you? God, don't I deserve something better? God, this is not fair. Why is, why is this happening? Because he's given everything to us freely. There's a, uh, an episode of The Office, which some of us enjoy, um, where Michael, the main character, the boss, the manager of The Office, they do uh, Secret Santa on Christmas. Some of you know this. Some of you hardcore office people know exactly everything and who. And, uh, but he, everyone had a, I think it was like a $20 limit. And it, they all picked names secretly and they were supposed to prepare a, a gift for that person. But he wanted to outshine everyone. So he goes, and at that time, uh, you could tell how old it is, but he buys a $400 iPod. Remember iPods, right? Somebody like, what's iPod, right? So iPods, and he buys it. And everyone's shocked when they open it. Oh my gosh, you got an iPod. Right? And that was the ultimate gift. Remember that? Like uh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that was like the greatest gift. And, uh, you know, when he gives that out, and then he opens his gift, because he wanted all, and then one of the ladies makes him, uh, she sewed a pair of mittens together for him, right? Handmade. And he gets so upset, right? He's so annoyed. And so he walks out. He can't contain his emotions. He storms out of the, uh, the party. So everyone's nervously waiting. Oh, my gosh, he's upset. And then now he wants to get rid of that. So he comes back and he changes the rule and he calls it, uh, uh, what does it call it? Yankee Swap. He goes, we're going to play a new game called Yankee Swap. We're going to switch. And everyone's like, no, I made it for you. And, you know, and so on. And I thought about that because sometimes we go to God thinking, I deserve something more. We go to God saying, hey, I brought this to the table. Sometimes we compare ourselves and we're like, hey, God, um, this, today, this Sunday, Thanksgiving Sunday, I was at church early serving. I saw what's-her-name strolling in late. I was at church early. I got up at 7. I was here serving. Um, and it is easy for us to now start grumbling in this way. God is gracious. God is merciful. And the only proper response is not paying him back, but it is gratitude. It is thanksgiving to God. 
um, is interesting, right? That verse in Matthew 10, 8, you have received without paying, give without pay. In the King James, which I, uh, we're more, maybe more familiar with, with for freely you have received, now freely give. Freely you have received, now freely give. This is the gospel story. This is the beauty of the gospel story. You know, the word thanksgiving um, was revolutionized by Jesus in the biblical times. Um, in the culture of the day, uh, there's a book called Gratitude and Intellectual History by Peter Lightheart. And in it, he traces the word gratitude or the thought of gratitude throughout culture and history. And during biblical times, it was used, gifts were used, not as truly as gifts, but in a very different way. Every gift had strings attached to it. And so it kept the person who had more or was wealthier or more powerful, it only elevated their status because they would give a gift, quote-unquote, but there was always strings attached, and so someone else had to recognize them for their gifts. They would have to go and pay them back through labor, pay them back through their produce, pay them back through their crops. They had to pay them back one way or the other. So whenever a gift was given, and the person that gave the gift back then, they called them the, the patron, right, which we continue that thought today. I come here and I'm going to give you something. And when a rich person would give a gift and they would provide to build an aqueduct or a building or a temple, literally, those who received the gift would now send people out with trumpets and they would make fanfare that the patron is here. And that's why Jesus tells us, you know, to give in secret. Right, where the hypocrites give and wanting the trumpets and wanting the attention, give in secret. And it's interesting because Christianity came and now all of a sudden it's freely I've been given and freely I am giving. And all of a sudden there are no strings attached so the intel, quote unquote intellectuals of the day labeled the Christians, one of the words that they used to label them, they call them the ingrates. Right? The irony of that, that they're the ingrates. Because they were not playing the system of the day. They were not collecting. They were not using gifts as a leverage. They were actually giving, and they were actually freely receiving. And so Jesus revolutionized this word, thanksgiving. He revolutionized, like for example, the word humility. Right? It's uh, only in biblical times that it's uh, only through the scriptures in biblical times that it's looked upon as a virtue before it was thought upon as a weakness. And so we see that here. You know, in the New York Times, there was an article called The Structure of Gratitude. And uh, the author talks about how uh, when he goes to a five-star hotel, um, he gets a lot more dissatisfied. He's upset that certain things aren't met and certain things aren't done and uh, so on with the room. But when he goes to a, a, a budget hotel... He says he's grateful for everything. He's grateful to have a plug near the bed. He's grateful that when he goes down for the continental breakfast that, oh, they actually have a waffle maker and I get to make my own waffles and how wonderful that is. And he says if he was at a five-star hotel, he complains about the person who's making him the waffles that he's not making it fast enough or whatnot. And he says in the article, gratitude happens when some kindness exceeds expectations when it is undeserved. Gratitude happens when some kindness exceeds expectations, when it is undeserved. Exceeds our expectations. It is undeserved. And this is us now as the 
those who have heard the gospel message, those who live in faith, receiving the grace and mercy of God. It is undeserved. It exceeds expectations. And we come to him and hear the words, freely you have received. Now freely give. And we give thanks. And we pause and we give thanks daily. When bad news happens, we can still give thanks. When good news happens, we give thanks to God. And our only response, and our short lives is not long enough to properly, fully thank God. We haven't thought through the reasons why I ought to thank God enough. We haven't studied the works of God well enough that we can give thanks. My prayer for us, Crossway family, is that we would be filled with thanksgiving. That when your mouth opens, you would say words of thanksgiving to one another, to God. And that you would hear the gospel message, and it would never get old, but it would bring back now a reply of awe and wonder and thanksgiving to God. And so that is our prayer for us uh, today. Let's bow our heads today together. Lord, we thank you. You are so good to us. So we give thanks to you. You have given freely to us, so God, we reply to you. We have received freely, so God, we want to now give freely back. Whether it's uh, an offering, whether it's a good deed for a neighbor, whether it's serving someone else, whether it's serving at church, we freely give because, Lord God, we have received so much. So, Lord, um, we are forgetful. Uh, Lord God, we easily forget all of your blessings. And so, God, would you remind us again? Would you remind us every night of all the good things that we have? And may we utter the words every day of your faithfulness to us and say thank you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.